Well, we are in the book of Revelation. A lot of pastors in the book of Revelation right now. I wonder why. <laughs> I was talking about the rapture last week, and I guess uh, I got a little bit excited. Uh, hey, you know, when you read this stuff and you see what the scripture says, and it's, and it's, been, and it's being fulfilled before your very eyes, we should be excited. I'm not depressed at all. Because I know my Redeemer lives. I guess uh, we all should be excited. If you feel like you don't fit in with this system in this world. If you feel like you're out of place. That is great. It's good to feel that way because this is not your home. You're not supposed to fit in. You're not like anybody else. You are... A child of God. You don't have to say the end times is coming anymore. We are in the end times. But I'm still praying that it will be the greatest revival that you have ever seen because God got us here as a church as a time as this right now. Paul didn't see these times. The apostle didn't see this pandemic and all that. But, you, but God's got you here and me here for a reason. But we, we can't be distracted by everything that's going on in the world. We still have to be about our father's business. The world needs the gospel now more than ever. We can't be distracted by what we see on the media. We have a job to do. We are still supposed to be salt and light and have compassion, compassion on the lost because the lost have no hope. And that's why people act in the way they are because they have no hope. They say if a person has hope, he can survive anything. We are to still carry out the Great Commission, pandemic or not, because the Great Commission has not changed. And the gospel has not changed. So we have to stay on track what the Lord wants us to do. That means go everywhere and be prepared to preach the gospel. Everybody. I wake up every day and I say, Lord, help me to be a light and salt and open up doors where I can share the gospel with somebody. And I start walking my neighborhood and I start walking... And I started walking down Pacific in some areas that uh, ain't, too, ain't too safe. And I pray for God's protection. And I go on about my business. But I pray every day, Lord, if I got the truth and if I got the gospel, I am not going to stay shut up in no house all day. Now, that's just up to me. I mean, it's just, I'm not going to do it. If you want to do it, praise God. And if you're sick, that's okay. So many people think that this must... Go on forever, maybe it will. So many people I talk to who are lost think that just because that they are good, they are going to go to heaven. And I tell you what, it's very hard to convince people that when you die, you're going to go to hell or you're going to go to heaven and there's no in between. But I know a lot of good people. I know a lot of good people who should be Christians. But they are not. 
They have good morals. They're hard workers. They take care of their families. They pay their bills. And they would give you the shirt off of their back. But they're still not believers. And I think that is so sad. They're dependent upon their works to save them and not to finish works of Christ. They think if they be good enough, they'll make it in. They are trying to save themselves. And there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. A lot of good people in hell. And they are never supposed to be there. Because Jesus said, there's none righteous, no, not one. And the Bible said, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can't save yourself. I don't care how good you are. Everybody's, so church, we got a job to do. On your job, you are the, you are the light, you are the salt. God has put you there, whoever you are, for a reason. When you walk out that door today, you got to be ready. I've gotten to the point now I can present that gospel in a minute. If I'm standing in a grocery line and they're buying groceries and somebody's behind me, I can present that gospel because it's always going over in my mind. I've rehearsed it. So when the opportunity comes, boom, I'm ready. And I, I think you should be ready. Everybody say, well, you know, the, the world should wake up. Well, the world will wake up when the church wakes up. Amen. The church asleep. We got to realize that we have the answer. We, we, can, we can give people hope. The salvation, the salvation of sinners should be our Number one priority in Christianity, Christianity goes far above a Sunday morning service. Your Christianity starts when you walk out that door. God is going to move through his people. God is going to move. If the church is ever going to change, he's going to move through you and me. So let's pray for one another. Help, help each other. Help each other all you can. We are not supposed to rely upon the government to help us. It's not going to help us. In the book of Acts, people shared things. No one went without, without food. Everybody had their needs met. It's come to the point where we're going to have to take care of one another. That's what it's come to. You see somebody that need help. You need somebody that need financial help or whatever you can do to help. You help them if you can. We're going to have to encourage one another. You know what? It ain't going to get no better. We are really pray for the unity of the believer in the bond of peace. Let's not let this election divide us. And I know Christians who are divided over it because things didn't work out the way they thought it would. Um, I know Christians that didn't like Donald Trump. I know Christians that did not vote for Donald Trump. I know Christians who voted for Joe Biden. And sometimes... Uh, Division can come. I've talked to people who say, well, if Trump don't win, I'm going to leave the country. Listen, Donald Trump did more for this country than any president did. Any president. 
So you got Christians dividing over this. Satan works in division. Our whole country is divided. Satan loving it. He, he works in division. That's why in your homes, there's got to be unity. In your marriage, there's got to be unity. If not, we just giving Satan a foothold. His method is to divide and conquer. He's been doing this a long time. And Satan knows it works. Satan hasn't got to come up with any new tricks because the old tricks, they still work. Satan knows scripture more than you and more than me. And Satan knows that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Satan got people fighting each other. We should be praying for unity in America because there is power in unity and there is power in prayer. But anything that is divided, I don't care if it's a home or a business or a church or an organization, I don't care what it is, it will not stand. The only way that America is going to make it through these tough times, number one, the only way that America is going to make it through these tough times is to repent and turn back to God. The world has turned its back on God and the judgment has already started. I don't believe that God is doing it, but I believe that God is allowing it. I believe that judgment has already started, not only in America, but all over the world. God is allowing this trouble in the world. People, I heard people say, man, I'd be glad when 2020 is over. They think just because they can turn the page of a calendar, things are going to get better. That's what they thought. But things are getting progressively worse. Just because you turn the page of a calendar doesn't mean that you can turn people's hearts. People's hearts hasn't changed because it's desperately wicked. Will you have... You will have the same thing in 2021 as you had in 2020 unless the heart is changed, unless America repents. We've kicked him out of the school, the government. We've kicked him out of society. We said, we don't want you. We're going to run this country the way we want it. And we're going to do exactly what we want to do. When I was going to school, you could pray in school. You can't do that no more. And we expect everything to be smooth, but we've kicked God out. We've told him we don't want you. We're going to do what we want, and we're going to run this country. So the only hope for America is to repent and turn back to God. Because if you keep doing the same things over and over and over and over, you're going to get the same results. I think we have some bumpy roads ahead. So you're going to have to be really walking with Christ and, and you're going to really have to stay close to Christ. Trying to take God's name out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Are you kidding me? They don't want him. They don't need him. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, this world is in a mess. 
Well, you say, I wish I had stayed home today. Boy, that's doom and gloom. <laughs> well, it's truth. We're in the book of Revelation chapter 5 this morning. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. John continues his study in heaven. The rapture of the church happened last week. We out of here. From now on, when you see the church, it's in heaven. It's not on earth. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside. And on the back, sealed with seven seals. The Roman seal would be sealed seven times to prevent unauthorized entry. They would seal it and no one would break a Roman seal. But then I saw an angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and loose the seal? A strong angel referring to, I believe it's Gabriel, Daniel 8, 16, is that strong angel. <clears throat> who is able to meet the requirements, a, a scroll to open the seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. The entire universe, no one was qualified to open his seal. So John just breaks out and he sobs. He just weeps. He said, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose is seven seals. So one of the earliest titles for the Messiah, the root of David, and clearly the, it's a messianic title. Isaiah 11, he was a, a descendant of David. The focus of the attention now shifts to seven seals in the hand of God. The scrolls could, could not be read because it was rolled up and sealed like a Roman wig with seven seals. John could see John could see writings on both sides of the scrolls, which meant that nothing more could be added. What was written, it was written, it was completed, and it was final. They didn't have books like we had today. They didn't have books. They had scrolls where they rolled them up, and they would read them. The seven seals signify that the times of Jacob's trouble is about to begin. We'll see about the seven seals next week. The coming judgment upon the earth as we see it next week, the great tribulation is coming. A lot of Bible teachers say this has already happened, but no, this has not already happened. This is still in the future. As Christ moved the seals, various dramatic events took place. The seven seals introduced the seven trumpet judgments. Revelation 8, 1 through 1 and 2. Then when the seven trumpets had blown, the great day of God's wrath was announced, ushering in the vile bold judgments that brought a climax to the wrath of God. It is impossible that a trumpet judgment were written on one side. That's what it believed by most scholars. In that seal, the trumpet judgment was written on one side and the bold judgment was written on the other. But to understand this scene, we must consider the Hebrew system like owning land. If a man became poor and had to sell his land or himself, he could be redeemed by a kinsman. The story of Ruth is based 
is based on this, on this law. The Redeemer had to be a nearer relative who was willing and able to purchase the property and set the kingsman free. All creation has been under bondage to sin. Satan and death, but Christ, our kingdom redeemer, is going to set creation free. No one was able to set us free or open the scroll. God makes it clear that only Christ, only Christ can redeem. No saint can redeem. No angel can redeem. No underworld. John sees in God's right hand a scroll. So sacred that it seems no one in the universe is able to open it or even look at it. So he begins to search for someone. He says no man, nobody could do it. He, but he said he, the lion of the tribe of Judah, referring to the prophecy of Isaiah 49.9, talking about Christ. The lion speaks of dignity. It speaks of courage. It speaks of victory. The fact that the Messiah was of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49.10 says that. The idea of his being a ruler and having dominion, therefore would be appropriate that only Christ would be able to open these seals. In this case, the seven seals was, what was the seven, seven seals? What was in the seven seals? What, why did John start just, he started just weeping and he started crying. He started sobbing because nobody could open it except he says, wait a minute, there's one over there. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he, he can open it. What was this deed? What was this seal? The seven seals was a title deed to the earth. The title deed to the earth. God gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. What now? What are we going to do? Satan had it. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 89, the devil took Jesus on a high mountain and showed him the kingdom of this world. Now this is Satan telling, talking to Jesus. Tempt, in the temptation, Matthew 4, he takes Jesus on this high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of, of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus did not dispute it because Satan had it to give. Because Adam gave it to him. The Bible say Satan is a god of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Jesus called him, John 12.31, the ruler of this world. John wept because the scroll was a title deed to the earth. And as long as it remained sealed, Satan was in complete control of the whole earth. I believe that Satan is still in control right now for a time, for a time. He knows his time is short. That's why he's throwing everything at you right now. He's going to bring out the heavy artillery right now because he knows his time is short. I believe he's in control. When people say, well, 
people say, well, if God is so good, well, why are there wars? And why is there cancer? Why are there floods and AIDS? Why are there depression and suicide and rape and injustice? Why, they ask. Because of sin. Because of Satan. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But the thief came not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. Can you see it? When a catastrophe happens, a tornado or an earthquake, people say, well, that wasn't an act of God. They never say it was an act of Satan. God is not doing all this stuff you see in the world right now. God is not doing that. The devil is doing it. He might be using man. He might be using a vessel. Satan cannot work. Satan cannot work unless he has a vessel to work through. As the Holy Spirit needs a vessel to work through, so does Satan. But God is being blamed for it. When God made the world, everything was perfect. Man is to blame for turning this world over to Satan. It's not God's fault. Verse 6, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne there was four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns. Horns always refer to power in the Bible. Seven eyes, all sin, which are the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit of God, sent to all the earth. The four creatures are the four cherub- high-ranking cherubims, angels. Angels are going to execute the judgment. Then he's, verse 7, then, he's, then he, Jesus came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He took the, right, the scroll out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne, God the Father. So when John turned to see, he saw a lion. That word lion is used 28 times in this book. He saw a lion, Jesus Christ called the lion. Means a little pet lamb. Little speaks of his gentleness. Lamb. He was the redeemer. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. He was that sacrificial offering. He was that little delicate lamb. He was innocent. He was meek. And meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control, right? Because the lamb was offered for a sacrifice. Symbolically to Jesus, he was total submission to the Father's will. He was bruised and afflicted, but he opened not his mouth. He was as a lamb led to the slaughter. As the sheep before which shears in silence, he opened not his mouth. You know, you see the number seven all over the book of Revelation. You know, verse six is a number of, it's, it's a number of perfection. You see the number seven all over. Seven bowls, seven. Uh, you'll see this number come up over and over and over again. It means that the seven horns. The seven is a number of perfection. We have the perfect the power. Speaks of power. The horn speaks of power. Perfect wisdom. Seven eyes. 
and perfect presence, seven spirits in the earth. Theologians would call these uh, qualities the omnipresence, the omniscience, omnipotence of God. That means that he's all powerful, all powerful and he's all knowing and he's omnipresent. He can be every place at once, omnipresent. Satan cannot be every place at once. Satan can only be at one place at one time. But these are the attributes mentioned in verse 6. Say he was slain. Christ was merely killed. He was offered as a, offered as a sacrifice. John said he looked, I saw a lamb. He saw, saw a lamb as it had been slain. Having marks of his past wounds that he received on the cross. That is, John could see it. He could see the marks. The marks were visible. Many Bible scholars believe that when we, we will recognize him also when we get to heaven because he will still have those marks in his hands. The wounds inflicted on Jesus' body, his trial, when he went to the cross, some believe that he still carries those marks. Thomas, he was a doubting Thomas, said, you know, I'm not going, Jesus told Thomas to reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your finger here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Luke tells us that, Luke 24, 35, and Jesus told about these things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They recognized Jesus, who he was, in his glorified body when he served communion, when he broke the bread and they saw the nail-pierced hands. Will there be nail-pierced hands in heaven? Some people say he still will have those. Jesus called the people that killed him friends, Zechariah 13, 6. And one will say to him, what are the wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, those, which, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. The Bible says in Isaiah 52, 14, that he was martyred beyond any recognition. He was, his appearance was so martyred and disfigured that you, you couldn't even recognize him. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ. But that movie is hard to watch, man. I watched it one time. I'm not going to watch it no more. I can't stand to watch it. He was beaten totally beyond recognition. And I'm thinking, man, he did that for me? He went to that cross and got beat like that for me? And I can't serve him? With my life, it's not that I owe him. Well, I do owe him. I can't pay him back for what he did. All I got is my life. That's all I can give. I can't give anything else. But he can sure have it. Because Lord knows I made a mess of it before I met him. I made a mess of it. I didn't know how to be saved. I was acting just like the unbeliever just, and, and worse. So I pray you would serve him too. 
Verse 8, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saint. The golden bowls are the golden saucers was used in the tabernacle in the temple. John said, I looked and man, look, it was like the golden bowls of incense. And he says, uh, which are the prayers of the saints. Our prayers is like incense to God. Did you know that? Psalm 141, 2. Let, let my prayer be set before you in incense, the lifting up of my hands at the evening sacrifice. God wants to hear from you. Did you know that? His ears are open to your prayers. And I believe that God answers every prayer. And sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. Because God does everything in his time. God could stop this pandemic and all, if he wanted. But as the song says, even when, we, even when we can't see it, he's working. He never stops working. And I'm still praying that this will be the greatest revival you have ever seen. That's what I'm praying for. John said, our prayers, man, is like, like every time you pray, it's like freak, like uh, sweet fragrance going up to God. Four creatures and the high-ranking angel, the cherubims and the 24 elders of the church fell down before the lamb and worshiped. Verse 9, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy. Nobody else was. The angelic beings in the church, when Jesus took that scroll, they sang this song. They just broke out in worship because they couldn't find nobody else. No one else was qualified to open. They said, you are worthy. You are the word to take the scroll and to open the seal. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God. How? By your blood. Out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on earth. It says in, in verse 10, it says, has made us kings and priests. That means he has already done it. It's already done. Every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to be in heaven. They sing a new song. They were united in the throne of God. The angels fall down. The church fall down. But they said, worthy. Jesus alone is worthy of our praise and it takes the scroll. Sinners were redeemed out of every kindred, out of every tongue and people and nation, verse 9. By your blood, he redeemed us. He brought us back out of a slave market. We were a slave to sin. He snatched us out of there. Every language, every race will be in heaven. Christ welcomes all people in heaven. All denominations are going to be there. So stop, stop fighting with your brothers. If he's a Baptist, if he's a Methodist, if he's a... Presbyterian, it don't make no difference. Everybody, every tongue, race, nation, tribe, color, blue, green, is going to be in heaven who has put their faith in Christ. You are not going to have your own little corner over there somewhere. 
Some people think, well, I'm going to sit over here because I've been a Christian longer than you have. No, you're just going to be glad to get there. Every language is going to be there. Christ died for the whole world. The kingdom is open to anyone that will receive it. He redeemed us by his blood. Jesus opened the way. The Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible said God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. They sing a new song. They say he will reign forever on earth, verse 10. He's going to reign on earth. When Jesus returns to earth, he will establish his righteous kingdom for a thousand years and reign on earth in the millennium on earth for a thousand years. And there will be peace on earth for the first time. There will never be peace on earth until the Prince of Peace comes. There will be peace. And what a, when he reigns on earth, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, blessings, glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in heaven, I heard saying, blessed and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne. And the lamb forever and ever. The lamb forever and ever. See, you know you're going to be there. And you're going to live forever and ever. Amen. The four elders, the church, the angels, they fell down and, and they worship him. It's going to be the, the, the loudest hallelujah chorus you've ever seen. So if you don't like to sing, uh, you're going to have a problem. Four living creatures are the cherubim. Chapter 4, verse 6 talks about that. The 24 elders here are the, represents the church. The church, the elders, the angels, everybody. He said, there's going to be a lot of angels. He said there, in verse 11, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands. How many angels do you think there are? How many? The Bible say the word angels is myriads upon myriads. That means it's so many angels is that it's innumerable. They cannot be counted. If you had a calculator, you couldn't count them all. They're like the sand of the sea. He said it was 10,000. It's a number that you can't even count. It was so many of them. So God's got a lot of angels. Yes, yeah, Satan deceived the world and took a third, but God still got two thirds. It's a lot of angels. They cannot be counted. There are so many. Infinite number. We know that someday we're going to judge angels. Our place in heaven is so high, we can't even understand right now 
what all is going to take place there. But I can tell you this, it's going to be a great place. We do have hope and we do have something to look forward to. So when you get discouraged, stop thinking about heaven. Stop thinking about seeing your loved ones, maybe who have passed before you. Start your brothers and your sisters who've gone before you, who've passed away, who've accepted Christ. They're in heaven. They don't want to be here. They do not want to be back here in this earth. Paul was caught up in the third heaven. And he saw the throne of God. And God told Paul he had to come back. And Paul's hope, that broke, that broke Paul's heart because Paul didn't want to come back. Paul didn't want to come back down here. When you get to heaven, there will be no more weep. There will be no more pain. You will have peace. You will be safe. You will have a glorified body. See, you got something to look forward to. And you got to be able to see it right now. You got to be able to live although you are already there. You can't look at the things around you because the things around you are very depressing and very discouraging. But one day the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. And so shall we forever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. This is not your home, brother. You're passing through. And you know what? Christ could come any time now. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the seasons. And we are in the season right now. Brothers and sisters, the judgment has already started. And what we see next week, it's going to be rough down here. It's going to get rough. But I'm praying that God will come one day soon to take the Christians home. So right now you got to stay strong in that word, man, more than ever. I don't know how many of you guys are reading your Bibles. You better make that Bible your first priority. I don't know how many of you guys are praying, but you better start. We're going to need God's help down here. We can't do this by ourselves. We're going to need his help because no man has got the answer. And if you're here today and you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to give you a chance to receive him right now. You might, you might be watching by YouTube or Facebook, but if you have not received Christ, now you know if you have or if you haven't. I've heard people say, well, I'm not for Christianity and I'm not against it. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. So if you hear and you know you have not received Christ. Just admit that you're a sinner, which we all are. And ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins. He has never refused anyone yet. If you admit that you're a sinner and ask Christ to come into your heart, he will forgive you and you can have forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. So I pray this morning that you would be open to receiving him today. Shall we all stand? Father, we're so thankful this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and that we can, when we can hear, is there anyone here before we leave that have not received Christ? 
We don't know if we'll be here. We'll be around here next week or not. We don't know if you might walk over here to the church next weekend and we might be all gone. The rapture could happen any time. You know that? Wouldn't that be great? You haven't got to go to work. You have to pay any more taxes. <laughs> I just pray that God would help us 